0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E.com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte.
1: Happy Friday, everybody. Sharp Lessons Podcast continuing on with our summertime season win totals uh, series, I guess. We should call it. He's the professor, Nate Jacobson. I'm Ben Wittenstein. Appreciate everyone subscribing, downloading, leaving a comment. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, We're going to have a lot of fun come fall time, Nate, with uh, football. We got all the NFL win totals that we'll do in August and all the betting that we're going to have. We're going to have all the Friday best bets once again. So this is the place to get the bets.
2: Yep, in honor of ACC Media Days being on Wednesday and Thursday, we thought it was good timing to release the ACC Win total preview podcast. We'll also preview the main team in there because I don't think we have a betting angle on them. But we wanted to talk about the team that's odds on favor to win the conference in the ACC, the Clemson Tigers. So I think we can just get right to it. And uh, yeah. if you haven't listened yet, we'll go back and check out our Big Ten preview from last Wednesday and also SEC that we did earlier in the week.
1: Yeah, the nice part about those is they, uh, they have a long shelf life. So they'll be around all of August.
2: Till for... Labor Day.
1: Yeah, till Labor Day. Well, Which, you know... Week.
2: A few days before Labor Day. It's
1: longer shelf life than what we're used to on the show when the uh, bets go out of style in like 24 hours. So go back and listen to those whenever you can. Make those bets. We've got some pretty good overs, pretty good unders, and let's go with the ACC now. ACC, we got media days going on, so we figured good time to do it. Now we have two overs and two unders each that we like betting on. But neither one of us picked Clemson for either one, right. which I thought was kind of interesting. But
2: we do have a double over-like. We do have so a double over. because we are only talking about seven teams in terms of the exercise, let's add Clemson, a team that I personally don't have a bet on. They are win total, 10.5. Yep. I saw minus 120 to win the ACC, which is a lot different than last year when they were a huge favorite to win the ACC. They didn't even win their own division. They are like minus 2,000 and win their own division. It's it crazy. ended up being Wake Forest, who ended up losing to Pitt in the ACC title game. So a very disappointing year for Clemson. And it's a big transition year for them because you lose the offensive coordinator, Tony Elliott, to Virginia, which I know is a team you're going to touch on later. Yep. You lose defensive coordinator, Brett Venables, to Oklahoma. So that's a big loss because he was kind of the mainstay under Dabo Sweeney as a defensive coordinator. They would always entice him to stay with more money, and then he finally decided, I'm going back to Oklahoma, a place where he's coached before, that job opens up, makes total sense. So I feel like this year is a big year for Dabo because... They feel like maybe they're falling a little bit behind in terms of success with Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, not just on the field because of a down year last year, but also in terms of recruiting. The recruiting's a little bit down. I think Clemson's taking a while to acclimate to the NIL transfer portal. You know, Debo which,
1: hates the NIL, and that, I'm sure, yes. hasn't helped him out with the recruits.
2: And he hasn't fully embraced the tr- transfer portal. He no. likes when the player – like is the Clemson like uh, man the Clemson way? Yeah. He doesn't like bringing in guys who have learned to play college football under a different program. So until he evolves, Clemson might be on the outside looking in in terms of the national picture. They still should be fine in the ACC, and maybe the ACC has a some teams that played well last year are a little bit down. But it's going to be a big year for Clemson. Dabo Sweeney, I think it starts with getting the offense back on track, which was pretty bad. Last year under DJU and maybe DJU, maybe they go with a different quarterback or maybe the offense without Tony Elliott maybe is better and would be kind of an indictment of the higher Virginia made hiring him. So interesting to see what Clemson does. As I mentioned, win total ten and a half, pretty much minus one ten each way, and then minus one twenty I saw to win the ACC. So, I don't
1: know, do you have any thoughts on Clemson this year? The only thoughts I have, I thought I was just surprised neither of us picked an over-under, which I think makes sense because they have yeah. they have so many question marks, right? And 10.5 is an interesting number because, you know, you can only – that means if you think over, they're only going to lose one game. And in, in the way that you kind of brought them up, you know, there's so many question marks with how this team can do. Coming off a of down year, maybe we see the Clemson of old that we were used to from the mid-2010s to the late-2010s where they just start dominating everyone. But – with all the question marks, a lot of the, the turnover on the coaching staff, and some roster turnover, it's, I don't know. I, I just didn't feel confident going either way with no, this team.
2: I agree because basically 10 and a half is pretty easy. Just will they go 11 and one or 12 and an hour better? I wouldn't put my money on that. No. But, but also, I, I can see them doing it. You exactly. Know, it's like, uh, I exactly. Don't know. Because they've done it before. Maybe yeah. you're buying like a small dip on them. Defense should be really good. Yeah. They don't have a landmine. Week one, like last year against Georgia, so it's a little bit easier schedule in that sense. So I don't think I have can bet Clemson in any way. I would even be comfortable betting on them to win the ACC, only getting about even odds just in case they don't win the division because I know we're about to talk about one team in that division we like a lot. Not saying they could win, but they have at least a chance and can threaten Clemson on like past years in the ACC uh, before this past one. So, yeah, I think Clemson wanted to talk about them, but in terms of betting on Clemson, nothing really about them. I just want to see how they play early on in the year and see if that offense can get back on track. Because two years ago when DJU did fill in for Trevor Lawrence when he had COVID, they did pretty well, and there was a lot of excitement about Clemson, about his future, and I think a lot has cooled about him just in general and just the perception of how he played last year.
1: All right, so let's talk about the teams that we are confident in. And we both love this team for the over. And that's the NC State Wolfpack. We yeah. are high on NC State. And last year, I know specifically for myself, I talked about Georgia, and we both kind of talked about this, how it was Georgia's year. I mean, this they had everyone coming back, all the stars aligned. It was their year to make some noise and to compete for a national championship. You look at NC State, and I don't know if national championship is the goal or should be the goal for them. No. But they feel <laughs> similar to what Georgia had last right. year, where they have everyone coming back. Didn't have a lot of roster turnover. Didn't have a lot of coaching staff turnover. They're going to have that veteran presence. They're going to have a good quarterback. The coach is ready to lead them to the first double-digit win season in 30 years for this team. So everything's aligning for NC State. And I really love that number at 8.5 for the over. I think they can win 10 games this season easily.
2: Yeah, a lot of returning production led by quarterback Devin Larry. Then you look at the schedule, very manageable non-conference at East Carolina, Charleston Southern, Texas Tech, and UConn. So not too bad. And then obviously it's a tougher division having to play Clemson. Yep. The crossover games, Virginia Tech and North Carolina, and I think those are kind of middling programs in the ACC Coastal. And outside Clemson, they have a chance to be favored in all 11 games and just kind of a quirk with their schedule after week one where they play at East Carolina, which is kind of a weird game that they have to play there. It might be part of a an old home-and-home home that they had where they went or uh, hosted East Carolina now they are traveling away. But then the seven of their next nine games are at home. So I think we could see them hit that win total of over eight and a half before their last two road games at Louisville and North Carolina.
1: Yeah, and those are going to be tough road games to win. Uh, And North Carolina is another team, you know. We're not going to talk about them super in depth, but that they could be a, a maybe a good team by the end of the season. So that could be a potential loss maybe. for this NC State team. But I just I don't see it. And you look through the entire roster of this team and you look through how they're described. You got fourth year players, fifth year players, you got some sixth year players because of COVID. This this has to be one of the oldest teams in college football this season.
2: Yeah, I guess one worry would be they do lose star left tackle Iki Aquanu, who was yes. drafted number six, just went down the road to the Carolina Panthers. So whenever you have a, a player of that caliber who gets drafted that high as program like North Carolina State, it's going to be a big loss. But as you mentioned, there's experience there. So they much. have a good quarterback. And Dave Doran, I think, as you mentioned, it's his time to make a big big mark on North Carolina State, who's kind of been – Last year their win total was only six and a half. They had definitely exceeded expectations. They beat Clemson at home. Now you're paying a little bit more, going over eight and a half. It's a little bit, but I, I don't still love think it. I don't love in the that, on it. Yeah, in that conference, it sets up well for North Carolina State. To have a big year and being one of the top maybe 15 teams in the country.
1: Yeah, Devin Leary, fifth year. They lose their top running back, so the backfield and, and the running back core is probably going to be one of the bigger question marks for the team. But other than that, man, their wide receiving core is stacked. Their linebacking core is stacked. Their defense is returning a <laughs> bunch of people. It's like 70 to 80% of this team is coming back. So they're ready to run it back. They're ready to have a double-digit win season. The, the schedule seems pretty favorable I just don't love that I have to cough up a minus 145 for the over eight and a half. I wish it was a little bit lower, you know, minus 130. I could swallow that minus 135 because once you creep up to minus 150, you start kind (laughs) of you start thinking, well, is it even worth it at this point? But that eight and a half number is so low to me that I'm okay laying that minus 145 minus 150
2: for sure. And if you don't feel comfortable laying that kind of price, tying up your money until basically Thanksgiving you could always just bet on them in individual games lower. In, yeah. Early in the year, thinking maybe the market's low on them. But I do think the market has kind of respect to North Carolina State, so it wouldn't be such a surprise if they did win 9 or 10 games.
1: We're a Wolfpack, uh, Wolfpack podcast, I think, this year. Is UCLA last year? Maybe it's going to be NC <laughs> wow. State this year. I'm very excited to start betting on them in individual games because I think even to start the season, we may get pretty decent numbers for, for NC State. Let's go pit. Mm-hmm. They lose the small-handed quarterback Kenny Pickett, and they lost some other additions, or they lost some other are, players. Are you as saying well,
2: like, that's a bad thing that they lost him because he has small hands. I mean, he <laughs> was the only quarterback drafted yeah. in the first two rounds of the NFL draft. He was a very older quarterback, experience, good for college. Like, is it? Are you saying they're getting an upgrade of Keaton Slovis? Or I
1: don't think I could ever say Keaton Slovis is an upgrade. No, no, no offense to Keaton, but uh, <laughs> you're not really going to replace Kenny Pickett that easily with, with someone like Eden Slovis. But he is at least someone who's coming back that has experience playing in high-pressure right. games, has an experience playing in a good Power 5 team. Transfer from USC from this yeah. past season. So I, I like the place that Pitt is in. I really do. And their number is also at 8.5. And, um, and, and you look at the schedule... It's a pretty favorable schedule for the most part. They have a couple of difficult non-conference games uh, playing Tennessee, and we were talking about that game, that Tennessee pick game, could be pretty interesting. Now they yeah. get Tennessee at home, so I think that helps. They're, I think, a three-and-a-half-point underdog right now for the line for that game. So there's a chance they can win that game. But if they are the team that you know reloads instead of rebuilds after losing a quarterback, they could win nine games. I think nine is a good number to expect them, after not losing anyone from the offensive line, their entire offensive line is back. The defense has, has done a pretty good job keeping most of their talent. It's really come down to can Keaton Slovis come back and at least do as well as you would expect him to do as, what he did at USC 68% completion percentage, a pretty good game manager.
2: Yeah. So I actually have a different opinion on Pitt and the, Line for this or the win total for Pitt this year opened nine and a half very early on, Mm -hmm. moved to nine, and then star-wide receiver from last year, Jordan Addison, transfers from Pitt to USC, and that was a kind of controversy because it was kind of – I think it was after spring practice and just the whole NIL stuff there seemed like maybe they – it's almost like free agency a little bit with now in college football. But another big loss, offensive coordinator Mark Whipple who is a key part of Pitt last year in their success with Kenny Pickett and probably developed Kenny Pickett, he went to Nebraska. So now I'm a little bit worried that they're going to kind of focus on like running the ball and maybe an inefficient offense. Pat Narduzzi, defensive mind, I'm not a huge fan of him honestly. I think he's a little too conservative in terms of deciding on when to kick field goals and just maybe he's going to want The team to run the ball and kind of change their offensive philosophy that worked so well last year so I'm a little lower on Pitt I after I looked at the schedule a little closer and it is pretty favorable being in the opposite division of Clemson so I still think nine wins is definitely possible for Pitt more because of the schedule but I'm definitely not running to bet Pitt uh, over and if I had a bet one way or the other, I'd look under eight and a half. I actually might look to bet against them in some games early on in the year. I don't know about week one against West Virginia. I want to do a little more research on that game where Pitt's about a touchdown favorite. But if Tennessee gets to a field goal or lower, that revenge game because Kenny Pickett and Pitt went to Knoxville last year and beat up Tennessee on the box score or the box score. Pitt won big. The scoreboard looked a little closer, but Tennessee had some special teams t- turnovers and um, or t- touchdown early in that game. So, I think uh, Pitt might be have a little bit of regression, but that's the Pat Narduzzi way. Not huge on him as a coach.
1: And it, it you hate to put confidence behind Keaton Slovis. <laughs> you know, you also do, well, and, and I'm actually super confident in that. I actually could be okay. He I just worry
2: right. that the offensive changes are going to hurt him and without yeah. Jordan Addison, a star-wide receiver.
1: Because, again, that Tennessee game, they lose that Tennessee game that sets the tone for the rest of the season. It's yep. week two, but if they beat Tennessee at home, they could potentially well, start the season six and zero,
2: and then they they play at Western Michigan, which is a team they lost to last year, right? So
1: and they play on the road. Yeah, they there's play a on couple the road of revenge games. There are, a little bit of revenge games going Tennessee on.
2: Tennessee will have revenge on them, and then they'll have revenge on Western Michigan. Out of all teams,
1: yeah. And, and listen, so I see losses with Louisville, North Carolina, Miami. I think I think that's for sure three losses. They're going to beat Syracuse. They're going to beat Duke. Virginia on the road could be a trap game. That could be another trap game because it's in between Syracuse and Duke. That could be a trap game for this. For this team, so I'm I, I think over eight and a half at a decent number that you can get them at. I'm okay with, with laying that you can get it minus 105, I think is the best price that I'm seeing for the over for eight and a half. I'll take it.
2: All right, well, I want to go to another team in the AC Costa who I like, and one of the reasons why I like them is a, another reason I'm kind of down on pit this season, just in general. And it's the Miami Hurricanes. And this is kind of weird territory for me because I feel like shorting Miami has been the way to go. Seemingly. Uh, Especially last few years with Manny Diaz. It just seemed like they always get a lot of hype and it never really pans out for Miami. And everyone wants to say the U is back. In Mario Cristobal's case, first year coach, I'm not a huge in game uh, or fan of Cristobal from an in game perspective, but he's a Miami native. He has friends who are boosters, he's an amazing recruiter. Like He will probably bring the U back just because of all the infrastructure in place. And I think it could start even this year where they could at least get some traction. They have a good quarterback in Tyler Van Dyke, who when he took over for D.R. King last year was very solid. And the schedule's tough because you have to play at AM in week three. You have to play Clemson in a crossover game late in the season. But because of those games, I think that's built and baked into the win total. That's only at eight and a half. I think they're still going to be able to win a lot of their other games and maybe pull off an upset either in College Station or at Clemson. So I like Miami this year. Van Dyke, just momentum with the crystal ball era coming in. And I think because Pitt is going to be down this year, Losing Kenny Pickett, losing Jordan Addison, losing Mark Whipple—that Miami to win the ACC Coastal is a very solid bet around plus one hundred
1: and fifty. Yeah, I think that's a, I think that's a solid bet, and I hate just relying on Mario Cristobal a ton, but it seems like the way that team is set up, yeah, is solid. It really is, and it seems like they're they're ready to actually make a push in the ACC. And there was times last year you, you kind of saw the weaknesses in the team. This year, they've really built on that.
2: Yeah, I agree. And I think year two, year three, there's a chance that they can be a really, really elite program just because the money in terms of donors and being able to recruit South Florida. He was at Oregon the last three years, but he was still recruiting Florida. It's going to be a lot easier – to sell kids on Miami when you're actually very close to the state instead of literally 3,000 miles away in Eugene, (laughs) Oregon. So, I mean, if the the, you can't get back with Mario Cristobal, I don't know if they'll ever get back. This is a really big opportunity for the program. Obviously, year one might not lead to immediate national success, but I do like Van Dyke at quarterback and just maybe – the excitement from the community supporting need. them. Maybe they'll finally have a little bit of a home field advantage because it can get pretty uh, bleak in terms of home field oh, man, at Miami, man. especially the last few years when they weren't rolling.
1: There was a uh, recruit that I saw recently who, who tweeted that he was attending Miami, and the picture that he used for the stadium, it was half empty. <laughs> the stadium was half empty, and you're sitting there like, that's the best picture they had to offer for this guy to – tweet out that he's joining miami and it's this half empty stadium yeah. at hard rock
2: it's not a good look think think things can change this year uh, we will we'll have to see i'm looking forward to see what miami looks like even though as i said not a huge fan of uh crystal ball's in-game coach i think the perfect example of that was oregon had justin herbert who obviously is one it's of the best, generational talent yeah becoming one of the best quarterbacks in the nfl and they Won the Rose Bowl, but it was never like a very impressive team because they were very determined on running
1: the football instead of airing it out with Herbert. Let's go to unders. And I have a very scary under that is going to be really fun for me to root for because it's under three and a half, and that's the Duke Blue Devils. (laughs) Under three and a half, it's the favorite as well. So you'll get it, you can get a minus 130, I think, minus 130. 40, I think at some places I think the best number that I'm seeing for three and a half is minus 175 at yeah, this point so it's might, been going up you
2: might want to call it three
1: let's call it oh man I hate that three because you're probably gonna get a push but if you want to get under three <laughs> you can get it at a plus 100 uh, which is which is fine I, I don't think they win more than three games I think three games is probably the amount that they win if that now that Northwestern game they have had success against Northwestern and they go to Evanston week two. I think they've won their last three against Northwestern, three in a row. I don't think that, that happens this like year. Like a recurring series or something. Yeah, it's it Northwestern-Duke. <laughs> it's the Nerd Bowl. I don't, I don't know why they keep playing, but it is what it is. And Duke's well, really had they, Northwestern's number. They probably keep playing because they know they have to win at some <laughs> point, they, win some games. They, so they each so think it's like an easy win yeah, on their exactly. schedule. So Northwestern, I think, is going to come out winning. They're going to be playing at home. I just don't see too many wins on this Duke schedule. Yeah. Just to be not even looking at the roster or the team. And this is a team that's won one ACC game in two years. One ACC yeah. game in two years. So theoretically they go loss. They go winless in ACC play this season. I don't think they beat Northwestern in non-conference. They probably beat North Carolina A&T at home. I think that could be a win. And then <laughs> maybe be. they then maybe they go to Kansas and get the win there. Maybe right maybe kansas is the other win so that's think, two and think, they haven't
2: even gotten to three yeah kansas improved enough where that's gonna be a, a tough game or maybe that's the third win and then they they lose out and in conference play
1: yeah it's not this isn't going to be a pretty season yeah for duke they have a new head coach they've got new everything and that's the other thing too like if, if they were bringing some people back maybe i'd have more confidence in over three and a half but mike Elko's a new head coach they have a new quarterback who they don't even know, I don't think, who's going to be the quarterback. It's a couple of young guys who have no experience in serious games competing to be the starting quarterback. They lost their all-ACC running back in Mateo Durant. I don't see it. I don't see him winning three games, let alone three and a half, over three and a half, let alone four. Yeah, and Mike
2: Elko, first-year head coach. So quite a jump going to be a head coach in the Power Five, but one of the more respected defensive coordinators was a long-time DC at Notre Dame most recently was Jimbo Fisher's defensive coordinator at Texas A&M was a highly paid defensive coordinator also. So I guess he wants to get in the head coaching reign. Then being at Duke, he's going to get plenty of time and it's hard to see success in year one because it's going to take him a while to establish his culture because Duke is coming from David Cutcliffe, an offensive mind. And now you're switching totally to like a defensive minded Guy and Mike Elko, it's going to definitely take Duke multiple years. Yeah. Who knows what conference they're going to end up being in or what the ACC is going to look like. And by the time he has his program rolling, but it's going to be, I think, a couple struggles of of years for, uh, for the Duke football program.
1: It's scary time. It's scary to bet the under three and a half. That is always terrifying because four wins, not usually hard to come by, but when you look at this Duke roster and you look at the schedule – I mean, if they're going to win two ACC games, it's going that's going to be insane because they haven't done that in years. So you're basically betting on just Duke being Duke football that we know and love, just being terrible, losing Northwestern on the road, and losing out their ACC schedule.
2: So Duke's best chance to get a win this season is in conference play is against Georgia Tech. Yeah. And that's another team. And you have their under. Is that one of the wins that you have them? Georgia Tech might – they need to win that game if they want to even come close to their over-under at three-and-a-half. I'm not sure if they will. They could win that game and they're still going to go under because this schedule (laughs) is absolutely brutal. Probably going to be the last season of Jeff Collins in Atlanta – but it's a bad team to begin with, and when you have that schedule where you have to play Clemson in week one as a crossover division game in the ACC, Oof. you have to play Georgia every year, which is very unfortunate to them because Georgia's become a juggernaut in college football, and they're playing in Athens at the end of the season. But then you look at two non-conference games, which I'm not sure why they scheduled it. When you already have Georgia on your schedule, Like find some group of five teams that you can probably beat, but they picked probably the most difficult group of five team, UCF, that they have to go to Orlando. And then they also play Ole Miss at home, so another <laughs> SEC team. So this schedule is absolutely is ridiculous. While at the same time, having to play Clemson, having to play Georgia. So it's a really tough schedule. I Ooh. don't love that the win total has been bet down from 4.5 to 3.5, so you maybe missed out on the best of it in terms of Georgia Tech but others on the duke game and i think they play western carolina or something i'd expect them to be underdog in 10 games i don't see where they get those two other wins maybe against virginia but that's only gets them to three and then they'd have to pull up a big another big upset with their other cross division game being against florida state who i expect to be a a much improved team this year and should be a huge favorite in that game so georgia tech Mm -hmm. under three and a half jeff collins probably only four more months or five more months left on the job
1: i i don't know who scheduled this or what the scheduling decision was but they don't like jeff collins because yes. you you schedule clemson to start the season you schedule georgia to end the season and then before that georgia game also you got unc and miami and virginia tech it, it's like it's just a gauntlet for this team i would not be shocked if they just had one win you know they, they take that duke game and they just end up losing that duke game because They've just been beat down to start the season with UCF, Ole Miss, and Clemson. I wouldn't be
2: surprised. And that's just a program that used to run the triple option with Paul Johnson. I just feel like they haven't been able to figure out how to get out of that. They just haven't figured out whatever the new schemes are at all. And they've just been a bad football team in general. Last year they lost to Northern Illinois at home. So it's kind of a devoid of talent. A head coach on the hot seat who hasn't really proven anything, and just the schedule on top of this makes this a a pretty strong bet for me uh, at under three and a half. All
1: right, my team is one of the guys on the schedule, Virginia, under seven and a half, and I would try to get that number ASAP if you can, simply because I think it's going down to seven. You can get seven at a lot of places, but the best number that we have here as seven and a half is minus one thirty which I think is okay. Yeah. If you can get to under seven and a half and minus half, a minus one thirty. I I do not think Virginia <laughs> wins eight games. I think seven is, is highly likely. So that's why I really suggest seven and a half, but this is a team with the new head coach, Tony Elliott, and you, you lose Bronco Mendenhall. Tony Elliott comes in from Clemson and a guy who was really picky and choosy with where he was going to go. I think Duke was one of the places he was thinking of going until that Virginia job opened up. He does get Brendan Armstrong back which I think is a, is a big help, and he has plenty of experience with good quarterbacks. You know, he, co- he coached as the OC at Clemson some really good quarterbacks, so I think he's going to make Brendan Armstrong into a, one of the better quarterbacks in the country, and they have a good wide receiving group. This Virginia offense is going to be fun. For sure it's going to be fun. They have a great quarterback. They have a really deep wide receiving core. Their O-line might be the one to throw the monkey wrench in it because they're a bit inexperienced. They don't have a ton of O-linemen returning, but the offense is going to be fun. Defensively yikes yeah. they're coming off one of the worst <laughs> defensive years in the ACC I think they were like the second worst and that was because Duke was like historically bad so Virginia terrible defense they have new defensive schemes coming in who knows how good that defense is going to be I don't think they're going to improve that much to the fact where they're going to be like an eight or nine win team but I do I think seven wins you you, you go and look at their schedule I think seven wins is the realistic move for them I mean they probably beat Duke they probably beat Cuse and Georgia Tech that's three right there Coastal Carolina four richmond five you know illinois on the road could be a a trap spot for them i I could see illinois winning that game i I just don't see a path for this team to get to eight wins
2: yeah i'm with you there and tony elliott as you mentioned he's worked with some good quarterbacks at clemson and armstrong is a good college quarterback at least it appears to be but clemson's offense the way they played last year I'm a little bit worried that it's not a great offense because the talent, just in general, on offense isn't as good as Clemson. So that's what
1: I'm. That's what I'm interested to see when he doesn't have that Clemson talent. How good can his team right. be?
2: Right. So maybe it's like okay this year, but I'm just kind of don't think that's going to be a good hire for UVA in general. So as you mentioned, a bad defense. Yeah that's a problem for virginia i remember some real big shootouts last year uh against notre dame and byu where they literally couldn't stop anything so i like that where it's virginia it's, although we're going under on duke we're going going a lot under, of people had the vision yeah someone's so gotta someone's got to rise to the top maybe it is Pitt in Miami's a a horse race we go. we'll see about that especially since another team I kind of like under. So I was wavering. I, I kind of want to say Wake Forest Do it under because just the theory, like a team like that who kind of is a good outlier year comes back to the pack, especially in the ACC where there's like yeah. a lot of average teams outside of Clemson and maybe like Florida State or Miami when they were at their best years or recently. But I think Wake Forest, even though they do have David Clawson, coach I respect, sam hartman who we were looking earlier he's going to be 23 by the time the season starts so he's very experienced wow i just think wake forest a team defensively also not very good it's a small school i think it's the smallest school in terms of enrollment in all of power five so schools like that usually don't sustain success especially if they don't have good recruiting wake forest their win tolls eight and a half so either go under eight and a half or look to bet wake forest on in individual games but the other ac coastal team that i kind of thought could have a down year especially after reading some of mac brown's quotes from ac media on thursday is north carolina win total (laughs) seven and a half you lose sam howell yeah they're not sure who's going to play quarterback this year mac brown actually called his team from last year criminally overrated. Well you know what, Mac Brown? Wow. I think you're criminally overrated because other than being a good recruiter and probably a nice guy, you've disappointed at a lot of stops. I know they won the national title at Texas, but after the Vince Young Colt McCoy era, it was very disappointing and you couldn't coach up the talent. You haven't really able to coach up the talent this year at North Carolina, even though last year or two years ago you had four guys drafted in the NFL draft at skill position, yeah. and then you failed last year, disappoint last year with Sam Howell, who was supposed to be like the best quarterback in your program history. So you know what, Mac Brown, maybe it's your problem, and I'll go under yes. seven and a half on North Carolina after reading
1: that quote. <laughs> go off, Nate. I love it. I love the fire. We're excited for this fire. This fire is going to be continuing through the fall. I'm excited. Call out, call out coaches. Do it. Yeah, it's great. Well, it'll be easy to do the it. next.
2: I mean, it's happened, but it'll be easy showing. to do with. Uh, media days can kind of
1: cherry pick (laughs) a little fire under nate jacobson here (laughs) mac brown getting under the skin i love it and i I could go to north carolina i I like that as well i think i think again i don't know if overhyped or or overrated is a great way to explain north carolina but they're definitely not underrated this year they definitely have a it's a high win total for a team that has a lot of question marks
2: i just don't like Saying your team from last year is a like criminally overrated. It's a like wild. Maybe thing just say. coach up your talent because yeah. you've had good recruiting classes, and that's the reason why you're still like employed because the recruiting classes have been good. And North Carolina can't do better in terms of getting in talent into the school for football, but kind of. A- downplay your team and like that I think that just I didn't really like that. It's a wild comment move. from Mac Brown and maybe it's trying he's trying to motivate the group for this year yeah. to achieve expectations or go over expectations, but I think 8 wins is really hard for North Carolina this year losing Sam Howell and having the question marks at quarterback this season.
1: All right, so our unders Duke Virginia georgia tech wake forest and uh throwing unc in there a little bit sprinkle some unc under cash on there and then our overs we got three over teams both on nc state love the Wolfpack, pack rar uh and then Pitt and miami we're both on the overs uh, for those teams so theoretically this could really work out if we see Pitt and miami both get their overs probably the rest of the teams in that division are probably gonna hit their unders. I and mean, we would
2: have to i guess we haven't talked about virginia tech from that division no. i think we've talked about all the rest from the coastal and uh Actually, it's fitting we almost touched on every team because this is the last season of no divisions, divisions yeah. in the ACC. R.I.P. Right before like the UCLA USC uh, split to of the Pac twelve to the Big Ten. The big story of college football was how the ACC redid their schedule, where they have a three five five system, where you play three teams every year, and then you play five teams one year and then every other year play them in the five the other year if that that makes any sense but the big thing is they're getting rid of the atlantic they're getting rid of the coastal it's going to now be the two top teams in the acc competing for the conference title that's starting in 2023 so this is the last year of divisions the ac coastal which is when one of the uh more funny i guess and entertaining parts of college football where there was one a seven year stretch where all seven teams ended up winning the ac coastal and representing the conference amazing in the in the our division in the conference title game so ac coastal fond memories but i think this is a better system
1: for the conference in general (laughs) you know it's one of those i will always remember you songs start playing but i I think it's good i like the non-conference no conference no divisions in the conferences i'm very pro that hope the big 10 does it someday don't know if they will, but I really do think that's that's the move. If you want to survive and have the most competition, have the most yeah. fun games, that's what you do.
2: I think it was uh, it was coming that for the Big Ten at least, it's going to happen for the Big Ten. But because USC and UCLA are joining the conference, I think they're going to wait a little bit to make sure everything is finalized. Yeah, right. But if they did, if they do stay at like sixteen teams, I can see a, a same system where you have three teams you play every year and then you play six teams and then a different six set of six teams the next year. So I think that system's definitely coming just because of the the travel challenges that USC and UCL are going to face. Yeah, right. They're going to have to make sure to figure out a way to be efficient with those, those programs, and who knows, maybe they add a, another team by – but who knows about the future? Of, yeah. let's, 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 we've no kind of gone has. off the rails here talking about a conference expansion, uh, but uh, it's definitely a fascinating topic in college football.
1: Yeah, it'll definitely affect the way we bet games in the in the coming years as yes. well. But that that was our ACC preview, all of our win totals. Um, again, you can go back and listen to our SEC, into our Big Ten win totals. We're going to be doing Pac-12 and the Big 12 next week. So prepare, be prepared for that. And then uh, once August starts, we'll be doing some NFL dive into the professionals. So so a lot more to come from Sharp Blessings podcast. Subscribe, rate, review. Let us know what you think. Tweet us uh, teams you want us to look at. We'll give you uh, our best predictions and uh, research that we can from that at stadium bets and at stadium is a Twitter account. Until then, we will see you next week.